All right. Well, good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And I want to welcome you to Unshakable. Everybody say Unshakable with me. Yes, Unshakable. Thriving no matter what they throw at you. Daniel chapter 6. The title of my message, of our message today, Standing Up for God, standing up for God. We've been, on, uh, we've been doing this series for a while now. Uh, I am not going to recap the whole thing, but I'll say this, okay, just for those of you who maybe just, just coming in for the first time, Daniel is facing some major tests. Everybody say test, test. Yeah, how many of you like to take tests or to go through a test? That's what I thought. <laughs> Nobody's raising hands, right? I don't like to, to go through a test in life, and I definitely do not like to take tests, okay? Uh, any good test takers in the house, online, give me a thumbs up. Yep, okay, we got a few people that are good test takers. I am a horrible test taker, okay? Like, I, I don't do well. It makes me nervous. I get, like, a little bit panicky, you know? Daniel has been going through some major tests uh, in uh, Daniel, from one, Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6. Uh, when we started the series, he was just a, a teenager. He was 15 years old. And as a teenager, he faced several major tests. Then he moved on to his 20s and 30s, and he, he, um, he faced some of those tests as well. Now in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is an older man. He's 82 years old, and he has survived three different kings, okay? So he's been through, he's had three different bosses, three different people over him, two different empires. So originally the first one was the, was the Babylonian Empire. They crushed the Syrian Empire and then the Persian Empire. You can read it like you can read about it all in the history books and all of that. And through all of that, Daniel has kept his integrity. And he's just an unbelievable guy uh, guy. And um, so if you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter 1, chapter 6, excuse me, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I want to welcome you, whether you're in this room or following us online, whether you're listening to the message, wherever you're at. My hope is that you would, that today, this message would encourage you, that you would learn a few things from God's Word, and that you would be a better follower of Jesus by the end of the message. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope that you, by the end of the message, you'd say, you know what? I am in. I'm going to follow Him and, um, and so we're going to begin in, in verse 1. It says this, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. Now, this guy, this is Daniel's new boss, okay? Uh, Darius the Mede, he's not a Babylonian. Now, keep that in mind. He's actually a Persian. He's the one who actually killed Daniel's previous boss, and so he's coming into the place, like he destroys the city, takes over, and he says, you know what, I'm going to keep Daniel, okay, which is a good thing, right? Verse 2, the king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Now, here's the cool thing. Daniel was such a great man, such a great leader, man of integrity, that as different administrations that are taken over, like usually when a new kingdom, new king comes in, 
like they clear house, right? Like everybody's gone. But one after the next, there's something about Daniel that he's doing or that they're noticing something is happening that they keep him. They throw everybody else out. They, put, they bring new staff, new people. But they, they look at Daniel. They say, you know what? We're going to keep this guy. And Daniel get, keeps getting rehired. Like time and time again, he keeps getting... Actually, he doesn't just get rehired. He gets promoted. Now, how do, how do you do that? You know, like how does that... Like what do you... I want to know like what this guy is doing to, to be able to get promoted in such unusual circumstances. Now, look, look what happens in verse 3 and why he keeps getting promoted. Because could have very easily, they could have gotten rid of him, but they didn't. So it says, Daniel soon proved to himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, I wrote three things down in my notes. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that. It's going to help you retain the information. Um, so for some of you, you know, you're in teachers, you're going to be going back into school. Some of you, you're changing jobs, you're in between things. So I want to write, I want you to, if you want to, write three things down that I think will help you stand out, okay? These are not like the main points, but I think, I, I see three things that Daniel was doing, why, like, that made him not only get rehired, but also get promoted. Number one, I wrote this down, his, his professional competence made him stand out. His pro professional competence made him stand out somebody asked michelangelo how he created the statue of david and he said no i didn't create it god did it's like what do you mean you know you know like the statue of david like they said how do you create it no 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 it wasn't me god did and he's like what do you mean he said i just took that rock i took the chisel and i just took a, a, a bunch of Basically, all of the, I got rid of all of the unnecessary junks, all, all the unnecessary lumps. And I think when you look at yourself as a leader, I think that's what we need to learn. Leadership, sometimes we think that leadership is, like we think leaders are born, they're, they're developed or something, you know. Like, like leadership takes hard work. It's not, it's not discovered, it's more like it's uncovered. If you and I, if we could get rid of all the stuff that, that's not good in our lives, man, we'd be great people. And when you look at Daniel, that's exactly what he was doing. Now, a few weeks ago, we said that he was a faithful uh, student. He wasn't just a natural, gifted leader. He was a faithful student. Go back and listen to that message. He was a student of people. He was a student of God's word. He was a, a student of history, of his, the culture. He was actually replaced a couple of times different cultures. And he actually kept getting wiser and wiser and wiser. And it, that wasn't just a natural thing that he just had. He was just a good person. No, 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 no. When it says, look at it, look at the verse. Verse 3, when it says that he was more capable, that, that took a lot of work. He was more competent. That took, that took some discipline on his part. So his personal, his professional, excuse me, competence made him stand out. Here's the second thing I wrote down. His personal character made him stand out. So it wasn't just competence, it was also character. That's important. Look in verse 4. It's not on the screen, but look at it if you're following us with your Bible. Verse 4, it says this. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault. And that's usually the case. If you do good at anything in life, people get jealous and they'll begin to find fault in you, okay? So if, you, if, if there's a struggle at work, like, please know that this is part of living on planet Earth. 
Okay, not everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, go, great job. You know, you're such a hard worker. You don't, not ever, just because you do what's right doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a fan. Okay, sometimes it's actually the opposite. So look in verse 4. It says, they begin to find fault in him. Like some sort of fault in the way he was handling the, the, the government affairs. But, it says, but they could not find anything to criticize him or to condemn him. He was faithful, he was responsible, he was completely trustworthy. That was the kind of guy that he, he was. Godly person, generous, humble, wise. They went looking for a scandal. They went, they went looking for dirt. A skeleton in the closet. They couldn't find anything. Because he was a man of integrity. He was honest. He was reliable. Hard, hard worker. Now let me ask you this. Most of us would say, we would say, we would check the box that says, want to get promoted? Yep, check. But most of us consider is how hard it is to be like Daniel. To show up on time, time and time again. To be one of the last ones to leave. To have, you know, to bite your tongue when everybody else is being critical of the boss or the, the institution or the, what, the company. What's hard for us is to be a Daniel. And the thing is, in life, there is no shortcuts. So if you want to get promoted, you've got to put in the work. Look at verse 5. So they conclude it. They conclude it. Our only chance, okay, they're trying to find fault. Said we can't, man, the guy is outstanding. Excellence. Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the only thing that they say, like the only thing that we can find fault is maybe if we find something that has related to his faith, maybe we can, we can figure out a, a way to trip him up. So his professional competence made him stand out. His personal character made him stand out. And now his public commitment to God is making him stand out. Now, this could be, for some of us, you may think, well, that's not a good thing, right? Daniel was very open. For some of us, you may be thinking about, no, oh, pastor, if I stand up for God in my, at work, I could lose my job. Yeah, I get it. That's not, I'm not saying that this is easy, but he, this guy was very public with his, his prayers, okay? He was not shy about the love that he had for his God, his commitment to his faith. And he was not like, in your face, but he wouldn't shy away either. He was not like a secret Christian, right? A lot of us, we, we sometimes live Christianity just kind of hidden behind the scenes. Like we, you know, people may know that we're Christians, but we, we're not bold in our approach. We're not courageous at times. And I get it. It's hard, right? There, it's, it's not an easy thing. And so here's where you're going to see the test. And we've said over the last eight weeks today, actually seven weeks, we've said it's been one test after the next one. Daniel, God puts a test in front of him and usually God will test you because he's trying to figure out if he can handle the pressure, if you can handle the influence. If he says, if he says like, look, you've been faithful when I put you under the test. Now I know that you'll be faithful and I can give you more. A lot of times God does not give us more. You know why? Because he says, look, the little that I've given you, I'm not really sure you can handle and so God wants to give you more, but before he gives you more, it's, it's, the, it's the nature of test, right, in life. The reason why we take tests is to see if we've learned some lessons in life. 
And you don't get promoted to the next grade. You don't get promoted to the next level until you've proven yourself. And so God does the same thing. He'll say, okay, a little test is coming your way. I'm going to test your faithfulness. I'm going to test your integrity. I'm going to test where, where you're at. And sometimes we fall and we fail. And God says, okay. He picks you back up and he gives you another chance. And so Daniel is 82 years old. And God's throwing another test his way. It doesn't ever end, okay? Not very encouraging, right? But it's, it's, it's life. Now look at what the test is. The test is, will, will you stand up for me once again? Again, like this is a new administration, new king, right? Like he had proven himself to the Babylonians when everybody's bowing down to the, to the, 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 uh, the image of, you know, the 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 king had set up and you know everybody's worshiping no he didn't bow to down to it like his friends didn't bow down to it and so here comes another test verse six they come together all these people that don't like daniel they come to the king and they say this they 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 say long live the king and in verse seven it says this it says and by the way it's not just one if you read the first part of verse 7, it says, the administrators, the officials, the high officers, the advisors, the governors, usually when people come against you, it's not one-on-one. There's usually a little, some rumbling behind the scenes, and there's usually a little group of people, you know, because they want to create consensus, you know, in the office, and they, they want to bring you down, but they're not, they're not courageous enough to do it just by themselves. So there's a few that they get together, and they gossip, and they talk, and then they come. And so they come before the king and they say, give orders, verse 7, second part of verse 7, give orders that, the next, that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, they're talking to the king, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. So they're saying, they're coming up to him and they're really kissing up his ego. Okay? They're, they're looking at the king. It's like, come on, it's 30 days. It's not that big of a deal. You know, let's just make this rule. It's probably not even, the king is not even thinking about Daniel, right? Like, and they're, they're coming to him, blindsided him, and they're saying, come on, for the next 30 days, let's just make this rule that nobody can pray to anybody. It, to them, it seems like a reasonable thing. Okay? Like, I know we don't live in that culture, but to them, kings, for the most part, in that they, they, at, at times, they were considered even gods. Okay, so this is a pagan culture, and they're saying, Why don't we, for the next 30 days, like we just pray to you? Now they're trying to f- find fault in Daniel, and this is the only way they can do it. And so the king thinks about it, he's like, Yeah, sure, it's not going to hurt anything. Verse 9, he signs the law. Now, if you read in between the lines, you, you know that in that culture, there was. Um, there was like something called the law of the Medes, the law of the Persians. So if the king would pass a law, he could not take it back. Okay, it was just some sort of rule, right? Like if, if you said, you know what, we're going to do this as a, as a nation, as an empire, and you pass the law, the king couldn't just take it back. Okay? This was a thing that like, like it was well known. You can read it in the history books. And so the king is not thinking everything through. He passes a law. And now Daniel has got a decision that he's got to make, okay? And uh, in many respects, it kind of reminds me of what's been happening in California when they've said, like, they've shut down churches. um, And, you know, like, different pastors are dealing with that in different ways. And I don't want to get political from from the pulpit or the table. (laughs) Uh, But 
you know, it's, it's interesting how different pastors are dealing with this whole thing of, you know, COVID-19 and what different um, states are doing. In Daniel's case, they say well, you can't pray, okay? And this affects Daniel. It affects everybody else. Daniel, like I said, was very open with his prayers. And, um, and so the question is, the test is, how is he going to respond to this test? Is, 82-year-old man who's been faithful, what's he going to do? And I want to know that because I want to be like Daniel. He's got options. He, can, he could accept the law. It's only 30 days, right? Not that big of a deal. It's going to, 30 days just fly by. He could fake his prayers to the king. He could just pretend, right? Like any of us know. Like we know how to pretend. I mean, it's 30 days. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like I can't do this forever. He could publicly pro- protest the law. Like he could you know, pick up a banner and, or a big sign and go to the palace and, you know, create some, some commotion, right? He could appeal to the king privately. I mean, he's got options. He's going to do a lot of things. And the question for us, because I think the time will come where all of us will have to make a decision whether we're going to stand up for truth, whether we're going to stand up for God or not. And so the question is, which one will we do? Okay? And, and so... You know, will we, will, just, will we just go with the easiest option? Okay? Will we just, will we do what's just convenient? Like what's easy, what's the, you know, the easy thing to do? Or will we be able to stand up for what we believe it's right? And I think that's a, that's a question that all of us have to decide ahead of time. Because we're in, when we're in the middle of the test, it's much harder. It may be, it may have to do with purity. It may be that you say, you know what, I, these are going to be my convictions when it relates to purity. It may be that you say, you know what, I'm going to be a person of integrity as it relates to my finances. I'm going to give God, I'm going to put Him first in my area of the area of finances. It could be a multitude of things, okay, where the world is going in a certain direction. It could be maybe the, the movies that you watch or the music that you listen to. There will be times when you will be tested and you will have to make a decision. Now look at what Daniel says. Look at what he does. Verse 10. How does he respond to the test? Verse 10. Daniel learned that the law had been signed. What did he do? Watch this. He went home and knelt down as usual. So that's the key right there. Okay, this is not a first. If you're trying to stand up for God and you haven't and it's been a while and you're in the test right now, it's going to be 10 times harder. It's way easier if you're comfortable, if things are good, if life is good and, you, and you're standing and you're going to determine today, I'm going to stand up for God. It's way, it's way easier than when you are in the middle of it. And so he, the Bible says he goes home, he kneels down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just that he had always done, giving thanks to his God. And the Bible, it's almost like God is wanting to make sure that you get the point. He use, it uses the word usual a couple of times. It says, just as usual, okay? Now, three things that I want to point out. Number one, he remembered God was faithful in past tests. Time and time again. Time and time again. He knew, man, 
you know, he's 82, so that he has the advantage of age. He can look back and he's seen every time that he had been faithful, God had never disappointed. You know, and that's the beauty of Christianity. Like when you look back, when I look back, in my years as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, I'm not going to say every turn has been easy. I'm not going to say life has been a piece of cake. But I will tell you this. For me, in my relationship with the Lord, every single time I've had to make a decision for the Lord, every single time, He has been faithful. He's never left me alone. I've never had to deal with it and be like, God, where are you? No, no, He's been... Even the times when I didn't know, in the middle of it, like God was faithful. And when I look back and it's like, man, He... And Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. And this had happened multiple times. So He remembered God was faithful in the past. Here's the second thing I wrote down. He had a conversation with God three times a day. Now, let me, let me ask you a question, okay? If you pray, this is not like, this is not like, this is very intentional, okay? I want you to get, this is not like, sometimes we pray like, you know, we're in the shower, or you're on the, we're on the go, we're in the car going to work and we pray, nothing wrong with that. I'm glad you're taking advantage of that time. But this wasn't that. This was very intentional times that he would set aside, he would stop everything, whatever he was doing, he would stop and he would pray, okay, very intentional. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that if you spend 82 years, or the better part of 82 years, praying three times a day, do you think that you might be a little bit stronger in your faith? How many of you would say, yep. Every day, three times a day, for that long. I mean, is there any possibility? Is there any chance that you think Daniel, by this time, was a little bit less insecure? That he was, I mean, like, could he have been a little bit more immune to the disapproval of others? To a little bit less fear of rejection? Man, I, I mean, if I, if I was like Daniel... And I prayed three times a day, intentional prayers on my knees, pouring my heart out to God. I promise you, my life as a spiritual leader would be twice, I mean, it would be so much greater in the same way it is for you and for me. The power is in prayer. It's your greatest source of power for us as human beings. There's nothing greater than the power of prayer. So let me ask you, your marriage not going the way you wanted to go? Let me ask you, how's your life? Your finances not going? Your health? Your, I mean, you, you fill in the blank. The power is in prayer. The secret of standing strong is kneeling often. I want you to get it. I want, I want this. Okay, let me, let me say that again. I want to, because I say so much, and sometimes we, I want you to get this. The secret to standing strong is kneeling often. Can we say that together? You're following us online if you're listening to the podcast. I want us to say, I want you to say it. If you're in your home, wherever you're at, in the car driving, I want you to say it. When you say it, it helps you remember. Okay? Let's, let's all say it together in unison. I'm going to say it first and then we'll say it together. The secret to standing strong is kneeling often. Can we all say it together? Let's go. The secret to standing strong is kneeling often. How often do you get on your knees 
and say, God, I need you. I cannot do this. I cannot go through what I'm going through on my own. I need you, Lord. Daniel, remember that. How, how did he respond to the test? He remember God had been faithful in the past. Future tests for you should remind you of his past faithfulness. Okay? So he remember. Secondly, he talked to God three times a day. It was intentional. Set up, set up your alarm. Put it on your calendar that you're going to pray. Choose the times. Do it today. Figure it out now so when the tests come, it's, you're going to keep living out your faith the way you've always lived it out. Strength comes not from like going through the test and then it's like now you're trying to, trying to figure out what life is going to be and then now you're getting on your knees. No, 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 no. That's a little too late. And the last thing is he, he knew the rewards were greater than the risk. He knew the rewards were always greater than the risk. You want to stand up for God at school, but you're afraid? You want to pray before lunch in the cafeteria? And you, I mean, what, I wonder what they're going to say. I wonder what they're going to think. Is there a little bit of risk? Yes. Every single time that Daniel faced the test, there was a risk. You're going to invite somebody to church? It's COVID. Nobody wants to come to church. Is that a risk? Yes. But if God puts it in your heart, you can, you can doubt and you can fear or you can choose faith. I'm not telling you to do it because I'm telling I don't want to play Holy Spirit. Don't do it because I'm telling you. God will tell you. And God will point it out and he'll say, you know what? You got to give that homeless person $20. It's not something that I'm telling you to do every time. But if God is saying, look, you need to be generous. If God is saying, you need to invite that server. If, you're, if he's saying, hey, that, that invite card, it's for that person. And you will know it. Because, I, you know, you know you, when you give your life to Christ, it's not like you get a, a junior-sized Holy Spirit. No, you get the whole thing. You get the power of Almighty God in you. And God speaks to you. And he guides you. And he leads you. And so God will show you what to do. And it's up to you. But there's always a little bit of risk. I hate that. You know, there's always a little bit of, sometimes a lot of risk. Daniel knew, as an 82-year-old man, he knew the rewards were always greater than the risk. The fear is real. No joke. You want to share the gospel at work? I get it. I've been there. I felt that. Man, am I going to lose my job? What if I don't get the promotion? Whatever. Look in verse 11. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house. Again, they're coming together. Okay? There's strength in numbers. That's why they're doing that. And that's why I believe that the enemy... Would, one of the things the enemy is doing in 2020, he's splitting up the church. He's splitting us up because he knows... And I think that he's been doing it for years. I think if you look at Christianity over the last 50 years, there was a sense of community, even just in this country, so much more than it is now. Now, like, we go to work, we're so busy. It's one thing after the next. I mean, I, I, I love community, but uh, just on our, even before COVID-19 hit, like, I would come from, from church, from work, and then I'd come to my house, push, it, push the, the, the garage door open, or it would open, go in, and that's it. I don't know any of my neighbors. I think the enemy knows that. And so he's trying to split us to, uh, apart. It says, then the officers went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God, for 
help. Let me kind of speed up so we can close here on time. They go back to the king. They tell him, Daniel is not doing what you told him to do. The king, his heart is, like he didn't have anything against Daniel. Loved Daniel. He promoted Daniel. He knew Daniel. But by mistake or on purpose or whatever, he was blindsided. He passed his law. He can't take his word back. Now they got to throw him into the lion's den because that's what they've said. Okay? And so they do all of that. Look in verse 18. Okay, so I'm kind of fast forward. Sometime whenever you have a chance, read the whole chapter. It's fantastic. It says, then, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He's fasting for Daniel. He's praying. He refused his usual entertainment. Couldn't sleep all night long. Very early the next morning, the king got up. As soon as he could, he got up. And he heard out to the lion's den. Verse 19. Then verse 20, it says, Then when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel! Can you see it? Can you picture it? Like he's running to this place. And I don't know exactly what it would look like, but it's a, it's a pit. It's a den of lions. I don't know exactly, but, but he's going first thing in the morning. And he's like, I'm, maybe it's dark. I don't know. Daniel! Daniel! He's been fasting all, li- all, all night long. Servant of the living God. I love this. Wouldn't it be awesome if the people that know us best would describe us like they described Daniel? Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that it would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty, that was one of the options. He could, have, he could have betrayed the king. How could he? What was he thinking? Right? No, he honored him. The king was overjoyed, verse 23, and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Amen. Now watch this. Don't miss this. This is the best part. Verse 25. Then King Darius sent his message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. Verse 26, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. This is a totally different administration. He led the Babylonians. He led the king to the Lord. This is a totally different administration. Just as wicked, just as pagan, now you have this king saying, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he's the living God, and he will endure forever. When you live your life the way you, Daniel lived his, you don't have to preach the gospel. It'll do it, itself. It'll, the, you, pagans will preach the gospel for you. How cool is that? For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues, and he saves people. I mean, this is it. This is the gospel. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, verse 28. So Daniel, help me out, church. So Daniel prospered. He prospered. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Sirius the Persian. Now how do I benefit? When I stand up for God, is it, is it risky? Yes, it's always risky. 
How do I benefit? Three things and we're done, okay? Number one, the first thing that will happen is fear. When you, when you give in to fear, it grows. You know that? When you push against fear, it lessens, okay? It, it, it grows smaller. All of us deal with fear in life in many respects. Fear is just a feeling. You know that? Fear will not last forever. So it's just a feeling that you have. It just doesn't, it's not, I'm not saying it's comfortable. It doesn't feel uncomfortable. A lot of the things that we do as, as Jesus followers is uncomfortable. But it doesn't last forever. It won't kill you. But I promise you this. If you're dealing with fear now and you give in to it, it grows. If you push against it, it lessens, okay? It gets smaller. So fear is eradicated from your life when you stand up for God. How, how, what else? What does standing up, how do, how do I benefit when I stand up for God? Second thing is, is this. You get to see God's miracle become a reality in your life. When you have to do something that's challenging, where only God can come through, you, what happens is you, in your own life, you, you get to see the miracles. See, a lot of times we live God, we, we, we experience God through the Bible. What do you mean by that? Well, we read the stories and we think, oh, well, that was back then. He's the same God today. And you can experience the same miracles today. My God is as powerful today as he was yesterday. Like his power hasn't changed. All right? Like, like, like my, my God is as powerful today as he was a year ago or 10 years ago when he came through on my behalf for my family. Does that make sense? Like it's not, we're not serving the God of Daniel and, and then, no, no, no. It's, he's this, his power doesn't change. It's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What changes is my heart. And so when I stand up for him, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's with my family, when I speak the truth of God's word in love, the Bible says speak the truth in love, I benefit. How is that? Well, fear is eradicated. Secondly, I get to see his miracles. So my faith increases. And last is your faith ignites others to believe. Because when you're brave, guess what happens to those around you? You've seen Braveheart, right? The movie, right? Like you, when the leader is brave, then everybody comes out of the shadows. You know, it's when nobody speaks that everybody hides. But when you, in faith, put your neck on the line and you risk everything and you don't know if you're going to get the promotion you don't know if, if, if this is going to happen you don't know what but you say you know what I believe that I'm called by God to do this and you do it then everybody else will join and say you know what me too and it's a beautiful thing when your faith is, ignites others that's what gives you purpose in life I mean what else is there what else is there I mean are you just going to spend the rest of your life just working and making another dollar and slaving away to get, you know, to, to get a, a, you know, an upgrade on your phone or an upgrade on, on that thing or new shoes. There's got to be more into life than just that, right? And so your faith ignites others to believe. I'll close with this. We fat, you fast forward into Matthew chapter 2, okay? 18 generations later. It's Jesus' birth, okay? You remember that? Like in a few months, we'll be celebrating Christmas. I promise you, it'll go by like this. 18 generations later, Matthew chapter 2, there are some men that are coming from the east. 
You know where they're coming from? Does anybody know? There's some wise man, some magi, that they're, they've seen the star and they're coming to see Jesus. They're coming from Babylon. They're coming from the Persian Empire. These are pagans. These are astrologers. These are, you know, but they know about the Messiah. How do they know? We've seen the star and they show up. How did they know? There was a man who stood up for what was right. And there was a man that could have taken 30 days off and said, you know what, I'm done. You know, but he didn't. And he risked it all. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want, I want you to know this is not just a message about Daniel. This is a message about you. This is a message about your legacy. Whether you're watching online whether you're listening to this message, the ramifications of this go beyond your kids or your grandchildren or the, the great-grandkids, you know, the great-grandkids. God could use your story 18 generations later. Now, I don't think Daniel knew what hung in the balance of the decision that he was making that day. You hear me? Like, I don't think Daniel, like, I don't think he knew the full extent that hundreds of years later, we would be talking about him and his life. And yet he was faithful and he was obedient. And I believe that we don't know. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of the decisions that you will make this week to honor God and to stand up for Him. So let's be a Daniel. Put Him first. Give Him your heart. Whether it's your faith, whether it's your words, whether it's your finances, whether it's your friendships, whether it's your family, work, your health, put Him first and stand up for Him. Your friends are pressuring you to do something that's wrong. Stand up. Stand up. You will never know how God will use you. Father God, we come before you and we surrender. Lord, we ask you, Father, to help us. To help us to love you. To help us to know that there's no better thing than to follow you. And so, God, I pray that you would lead us and you would show us exactly the areas in our lives where we need to stand up. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.